0: On today's special Encore presentation of Compassion Radio. When
1: you're in anguish, when you're in sorrow, when you're in loss, when sorrows like sea billows roll, that is when we are driven to our knees to cry out to this Savior who is eager and waiting to minister to us. But we have to accept the fact that we have a need. And it is so difficult for so many of us to do that. I know it is for me. I'll fix this. I can do this. I got it. I got it. No, I don't. I caused a great deal of carnage before I came to the point of realized I can't do this.
0: When God says, I've got this, what's your first reaction? Relief? Annoyance? Encouragement? Envy? It seems like we sometimes have a very hard time letting our Heavenly Father pry our white knuckles off the thing we're holding onto so hard, trying to make things work out when we're least equipped to handle it. Seems silly, but it's often true. Hi, Bram Floria here with Compassion Radio the Daily Journal of God's courageous and humble people who are learning to let go and let God, as the saying goes. Peter Rosenberger knows a bit about this, and I'm understating it a bit. As a full-time caregiver for 35 years to his wife, Gracie, he's experienced everything you could imagine on a daily basis just to provide the care she requires as a survivor of a near-fatal car accident when she was just a teenager. These days, Peter is bringing his talents as a caregiver and worship leader to a whole new ministry that cares for the caregivers themselves through his weekly Hope for the Caregiver broadcast. We'll start today's program right where we left off yesterday. I think one of the distinctives that you will always have with your particular ministry is that you have a musician's heart and training. So you don't just imply the need for worship, you worship on the program and by leading people through those beautiful hymns and your keyboard playing, just to reset on the emotional level on all those other senses that need to be massaged as much as sore shoulders might need to be massaged. You do that in your ministry and I'm thankful for that.
1: Well, to your point, Brian, Martin Luther said, Next to the word of God, music elevates the soul like nothing else. Mm -hmm. And so when I play these hymns I go back in, on my CD, for example, Psalms with the caregiver. I did hymns very specifically addressing the core need of a caregiver. Like the first hymn is, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest. And I can guarantee you there are people listening to this right now, this interview with you and me who have felt like they have just been molested by Mm. sin. Some of them actually physically have been, but so many people are living with the trauma of sin's molestation.
0: Mm. That's harsh language, but you're right.
1: It is harsh language. It's a harsh world. Sin is a harsh business, and what happened on the cross was a harsh remedy. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I want to drive people to understand just how magnificent the cross is So they can understand this in the context of the suffering that they have to watch. We are sharing in the sufferings. When Jesus stood at the grave of Lazarus and he groaned within him, most commentators are saying that Jesus got angry. Mm. He was angered at death. He knew what he was about to do. He knew what was going to happen with this. He knew who he was, but he was angry at death. God hates death. He hates it so much that this is what he did to fix it. Mm -hmm. That's the point I want to drive home, that as we are walking through this often very long valley of the shadow of death with somebody who suffers, somebody who is impaired, somebody who is treating us like garbage while we're trying to wipe them and everything else, this is what the reality is for caregivers. I know people who are getting cussed out while they're changing adult diapers. This is the reality for so many, and I want them to understand that grieving Savior, who understand he was acquainted with grief, that merciful Savior who understands this in ways that we can't possibly do. And I love in the Chronicles of Narnia, in the first one, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Edmund, who was a traitor,
2: mm-hmm.
1: was in danger. He was ransomed, and Lucy said to Aslan, who was the Christ figure, can anything be done to save him? And Aslan responded the words so beautiful C.S. Lewis wrote this, Yes, all will be done, but it may be harder than you think. Mm-hmm. And I think that we take for granted this magnificence that was done on the cross on our behalf, and it puts everything, Gracie's trauma, amputated limbs, Alzheimer's, Down syndrome, autism, all of that, then look through the light of the glorious cross, changes everything for caregivers, and it gives us strength for today, as the hymn writer says, and bright hope for tomorrow
0: indeed it does it's a day-by-day day thing it's new mercies every morning i want to make sure we don't lead people to think that because you group those things together that gracie has suffered all this physical trauma and has alzheimer's and has down syndrome and everything else she doesn't have every malady no. known to man <laughs> so she's dealing with a no, physical
1: married to me so that gives her an edge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, there you bless go her heart, she has to suffer quite a bit with me uh, <laughs> no, she doesn't, but I have a niece that's 32 years old. She has cerebral palsy and mm-hmm. severe cognitive impairment. She's like an 18-month-old, but she's a grown woman at mm-hmm. 32. My brother takes care of her. My father has Parkinson's. My mother is is virtually blind, and my first cousin has a special needs daughter who's 16 and, and basically like a two- or three-year-old, non communicative, and uh, requires full care of everything. I, I can go through the list of yeah. my whole family's intersecting with this. But also just throw in the fact that you're dealing with somebody in this world who will live with alcoholism. Yeah. There are people right now listening to this show right now who have an alcoholic in their life, and they're watching these people spiral out of control or an addict. They're spiraling out of control, and they're throwing enormous amount of resources, physical and emotional and financial resources, at helping these folks. And it's crushing them, yeah. and they don't know how to respond to it. And I thought, I'm going to speak to that too mm-hmm. with the hope of the gospel in a way that caregivers can understand. And in some respects, our greatest mission, what did Jesus say? Go and make disciples. Well, it's very difficult to share the hope of the gospel to in any way educate people, to any way point them to their safety if they can't understand you. Yeah. So I, I I speak fluent caregiver.
2: Yeah.
0: And you do it with the kind of humility and humor that is almost off putting to those who think you have to be in a certain mode to be a caregiver. You do upset the apple cart a bit on purpose, and you get people really thinking about what it means to be human again, not just in the role, as if that's the only identity they have. As you said earlier, the chief end of man, and we all accept this throughout Christendom, especially in the West, this is it, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And to enjoy is supposed to be an experience. It's not just an intellectual assent to his sovereignty. It's to say, would you be with me in this, in the now, right here? How do you restore yourself, Peter? How do you and Gracie build memories and times that are tender and are enjoyable so you have something to keep putting that pin on the board saying, we did this together? Just yesterday, I saw Please. that you guys made a, a quick run down to Yellowstone National Park because that's fairly near to where you live in Montana now. Is that the kind of thing? And if it is, what did you learn this time around when you were out there commuting with God and nature?
1: Well. First off, I learned that this is the better time of the year to go because there's less crowds. Yeah, And no, no, no. Um, and so we had a lot of space there. Now, we live in a place where we have a lot of space anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montana, you know, they've been social distancing since 1889. Yeah. And and, so, and they want to
0: keep it up. <laughs> we,
1: we do. <laughs> the state motto now is, y'all go back home now. Yep. We do several things, and it's important. We do them individually. We do them together. Um, yesterday was one of those moments where we just kind of looked at the beauty of this world and try to leave as little mark on that beauty as possible mm-hmm. and just appreciate it for what it was. The other thing is uh, we do music together mm-hmm. and that's important part of our life where we have that. I find those places of slowing down. A guy gave me a great piece of advice when we first moved out here. He said, drive at the pace you're comfortable slamming into the ditch at. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's a great piece of advice for life because I think we're going to end up in a ditch. But if we could slow down and slow our hearts down and realize, oh, wait a minute, it's really not all up to me. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife has a savior. I'm not that savior. And I tell myself and my fellow caregivers, look down at your hands. If you don't see nail prints, this ain't yours to fix. And so then that frees me up then to go and, you know what, I'm going to go outside. I just got back from before we did this interview together, and you heard me huffing and puffing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you, you
1: You mocked me. But no I'm trying to some shape. No, I'm just kidding. But I was out walking, just enjoying the, the beautiful yeah. weather out here and taking a moment just to go outside, just to clear my head. Mm-hmm. In the wintertime I feed the horses on a snowmobile and I pull a little sled with hay on it and the horses come running up beside me. There is nothing like racing through a snow covered pasture with horses ticking up the snow everywhere to change your perspective on life. I'll get up there and go in the hot summers and soak my feet in a cool stream and Mm -hmm. just be still for a moment. The other thing I did, Bram, so you would appreciate this. I turned off a lot of network television Mm -hmm. and the news because I think that the news in this world is designed specifically to keep us ramped up. Yeah, I had a knee surgery last fall. They had to fix something on it. And while I was recuperating, I watched a ton of documentaries, Mm -hmm. just a ton of them on everything from, from Lewis to Tolkien to Spurgeon and... Huss and Luther and it just all of so many different things I was watching. Number one, I felt smarter for doing it instead of watching network television, which I always feel stupid for doing. But then I was also struck by these guys, particularly the Reformers, how anchored they were on the Word of God, yeah. how solely they based everything, their well-being, their emotional well-being, everything on the Word of God. It provided a place that they could go to and stand on when everything looks like it's all just falling apart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how restorative that is to our souls and what that means now. And, you know, maybe as I get older, I appreciate these things a little bit more. I don't know. I spent a lifetime trying to solve a problem that was not mine to solve. Yeah. And I learned that God owns this. I didn't do this to Gracie. I've done my own share, I've caused my own heartache, and, but I didn't do this to her. She had a car wreck before I ever met her. Yeah. I didn't do this to her. I can't undo it. So, what's my role? And my role is it's stewardship. Yeah. And to do the best I can with it. And in the process, she deserves to have a healthier, calmer, and even a more joyful caregiver. And we've had extremely tender, beautiful moments while in the midst of craziness. Yeah. Changing addressing with a with a really ugly wound. You know, she's had seizures, she's coded. She's choked and all these things, you know, I'm there for her in these moments. And then following these moments that are so traumatic, we can just kind of be still. And she's had humiliating moments where she's not able to do certain things. And, and in those moments, I just told her, I said, sing, Gracie. And she's like, praise the name of Jesus. And these humiliating moments, those are restorative moments as well. You know, and so this is our journey, and this is the journey for so many millions of people around the world. And your show is is global, and it's common to everyone. Caregiving transcends everything—religion, yeah. race, creed. If you love somebody, you'll be a caregiver. You live long enough, you're going to need one. It's just mm-hmm. that simple. Mm-hmm. And so here's the message that I have come to understand. And like I said, I speak fluent caregiver. But the greater news, the greater news, the greatest news. Is that it's our Savior's native tongue.
0: Indeed. I don't think that if God had a plan for this world in the face of death, for us to do anything else but ignore it and hope for another life to come, we'd be totally wasting the very existence he gave us. I do believe that there was something special that can only happen in this realm that won't be possible in the realms to come, as good as heaven will be. How much suffering can there really be where there's nothing but perfection? And how much do we actually learn the heart of our Savior and how wonderful it is to connect with other people, especially our loved ones, unless we've had to face difficulty and even pain or suffering with them? I do believe there's a beauty in that that cannot be experienced anywhere else, period. And so what you're exemplifying for us, Peter, is not just something we are needing to be afraid of, and God forbid it should ever happen to me, but... God that we would be, as we see in Peter and Gracie, when the time comes for us to be receiving or giving the kind of grace that's necessary for us to draw close and not be pushed away, not to be spiritually and socially distant the rest of our existence. There is something about what you do, Peter, that draws you into the very heart of God.
2: Peter Rosenberger
0: will be back in a moment to share more about how the calling of the caregiver is both impossible and full of possibilities. If you are a caregiver, I hope that what you're hearing today encourages you in the work that you do. Just before Christmas, I traveled to Vietnam, a country we've long had on our radar for Bible projects. In fact, Norman and Nelson did some pioneering work there 30 years ago, ferrying in batches of Bibles to the small but rapidly growing church in cities and hill tribe villages. I was astounded to discover that the early work had yielded tremendous fruit, opening doors we couldn't have even imagined three decades ago. For the first time in the history of communist Vietnam, Christians were now allowed to openly celebrate their faith and held two nationally permitted crusades in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. I witnessed hundreds of Vietnamese Christian artists and evangelists sharing their faith with tens of thousands of their countrymen, including government officials who had until recently been persecuting the church. The window of opportunity for the gospel is open right now, and Bibles are allowed in. The churches are asking for them earnestly, so please send your best gift today to help us provide the Bibles they are begging for in 2023. Call us today at 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California. 92877. That's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. Thank you. And now, back to our discussion. There is something about what you do, Peter, that draws you into the very heart
1: of God. To your point, Jesus obviously felt that way because Mm -hmm. He condescended down to our suffering. He took on all of this himself and was present with us. There's a wonderful author, and I would encourage all of you to read this book. It's, it's a hard book. You're not going to thank me for reading because it's a hard <laughs> book. It'll okay. challenge you. It's Suffering in the Heart of God by Dr. Diane Langberg. Mm. You know, a lot of times we use the word they yeah. inappropriately. We mm-hmm. say, well, if they didn't do this, they wouldn't have to do this. If they didn't do Some somehow, like somebody else's moral choices or life choices are in more need of redemption than our own right and she said the only person who can say they is him Mm -hmm. and he became like us so there wouldn't be any they. he was there with us in our distress and is there now that's the whole point when he sent the holy spirit at pentecost in the church calendar he sent the holy spirit what is the holy spirit called the comforter why would he send the holy spirit if we didn't need comfort Mm-hmm. And what is it about this that he wants to model his own heart, that he was willing to put this on himself and be with us in our misery, in our heartache, and share in it with us, take it all upon himself. That's the whole concept of understanding of the gospel, and I think you're right. I think that in this sanctification journey we're on in this life, he okay. uses suffering as a teaching tool. I don't like it, but he didn't ask me my opinion. I don't know that anybody likes it. Anybody tells you they do, they're kind of sick. Yeah. There's nothing to like about it. That's not healthy to like it. But we can respect it for what it is and appreciate the work of God in it. Paul said, it, look, take this away from me. Three times, he said, nope, my grace is sufficient for you. And my weakness, his power is made perfect. Yeah. And there's a principle here to learn that even the greatest of all of his called individuals that we look at in history, these great big heroes— they all had to learn this principle, yeah. every one of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's not anybody I see in Scripture that did not have to struggle through this.
2: Yeah.
0: When we talk about God using suffering as a tool, I want to be careful because we don't have great language for this. When we say tool, it seems hard and unforgiving and very impersonal, as if he's just trying to get an outcome from us rather than a relationship. And as you described, the Holy Spirit reminding us again that his name and his job is comforter. If we don't accept comfort or we don't ever accept our need for comfort, then we're missing out on getting to know who God is, because that is the personality of the Holy Spirit. We're purposely saying we don't want him. If we think we'll never need comfort or that the need for comfort is somehow an insult to us, to our pride, then we're really going to miss out on who God is because he is so ready. He exists to comfort those who hurt because he knows it exists and he knows it's real. It's not a figment of our imagination. Suffering is real and he wants to be there with us in it. His desire is to be right there to be the caregiver. I love that you're tapping into that very passionate pursuit of humanity that God's about. The Holy Spirit is a caregiver and wants to be yours. And Lord knows we're going to need him in many ways leading us in this so we can emulate him well when the time comes for us to do that job ourselves. What else can you add for us, Peter, about the scope of what a caregiver is and how we need not fear if it or when it comes but how do we prepare for appropriately, and how do we respond to it well?
1: Here's the deal. The, the caregiver is somebody who is keen, is provided enormous opportunities to see the human condition. Mm-hmm. It's in that repetitive nature of seeing the brokenness and the human condition that Christ came to save that we are afforded the opportunity then to trust Him in this and in a way that we didn't expect. As one minister I've heard said, all we need is need. Mm-hmm. The only thing we need to bring to Christ is nothing, but how many of us have nothing?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you're in anguish, when you're in sorrow, when you're in loss, when, when sorrows like sea billows roll, that is when we are driven to our knees to cry out to this Savior who is eager and waiting to minister to us, but we have to accept the fact that we have a need. Yeah. And it is so difficult for so many of us to do that. I know it is for me. I'll fix this. I can do this. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I can do this. I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, and no, I don't. I caused a great deal of carnage before I came to the point point to realized I can't do this. And it takes sometimes those of us with a little thicker skulls than others to recognize that we're not up to this, but he is. Mm-hmm. And there's a the greater principle at work here. And it's, there's not some kind of sick perversion that we suffer more for Jesus and so therefore we're more noble. No, it's just there is an understanding that God desires to meet us in our greatest need. And oftentimes the only way we can see that is through this broken, fallen world of suffering. Jesus said that it's difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, not because he's castigating people's wealth. God wants to shower abundant wealth on Mm -hmm. us, more than we can even possibly imagine. But the deeper point is, do we really understand our need before Christ, and are we willing to subject everything to that? As caregivers, we see that because we're dealing with such sorrow. And now my question is, instead of letting that turn us into rageful or bitter or resentful people, are we willing to take a tiny leap of faith and trust that his scarred hand is holding our scared hand? And are we willing to do that? Are we willing to see his provision in this in ways that maybe we couldn't otherwise, and that there's beauty and there's joy and there's tenderness and there's meaning and substance?
2: Yeah.
1: Not in the, the grotesque and the heartache, but in the growth of who you are as a person. And I would say to you as caregivers, we're never going to feel better about what our loved one endures. Mm. We're never going to feel better about it, but that's not the goal. The goal is to be better in it. That's my final thought. There
0: you go. It's perfect timing too.
1: To be better.
0: This two-part series you and I have just done is something that is organic. We didn't plan to make specifically two programs out of this, but it is a good point for us to break now and take a Selah, a rest, because it is like drinking from a fire hose to jump into these big streams And caregiving is a nonstop raging river for many. So I'm glad, my friend, that you have learned to navigate these waters and you can move your dinghy about the current well and help those who feel like they're drowning or are drowning, and not just buck them up and give them false hope, but present them a Jesus who is all hope. And for that reason, I am grateful that you and Gracie have had to suffer the way you had together so that the world is better because he's using you, and you said yes. So I'm proud of you for that, and I'm proud of God for choosing you in this. But I'm also, with great fear and trembling, saying, I'm glad that he gave us you, but man, I'm so sorry, and I still am, that both of you have had to go through it as you've had. But from what I know of you, Peter, I can't imagine you any other way than being refined through fire into pure gold at this point in your life, or as your head would tell me, pure platinum. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, with great hair comes great responsibility.
0: (laughs) Enough to scare the horses out there.
1: (laughs) You know, I love what we get to do. Somebody asked you about, would you do it all over again? I don't deal with hypothetical. Mm -hmm. I got enough problems with reality. (laughs) But all that to say, I love the way I play the piano now. Mm -hmm. I love the way I write. I love the way I communicate. I love the way I see the beauty around me. I hate how I got here. Yeah, But I'm grateful for what I'm learning through this process. And I'm grateful for the greater understanding of God's grace. I need a grace so much. I married a woman named Grace.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I, Double I'm down. grateful
1: for the understanding of that, that I have, that I would not have had, had we not gone through this thing. Yeah. I leave your listeners with this. One time somebody asked Fanny Crosby, probably the greatest hymn writer mm-hmm. of all time, uh, certainly in modern times. And she was blind. And, and yeah. her story is worthy of seeing. And they asked her, said, how can you trust in this Jesus when he allows you to be blind? And she said, oh, you don't understand. The next face that I see will mm. be the face of Jesus. Yeah. And that's an astonishing statement. It's worthy of our aspiring to that level of understanding of trusting God with difficulties.
0: And experiencing God now so that when you see him later, you'll recognize him. You are building a deep reservoir of relationship and a true wealth And the people that are coming to you on your Saturday morning program, I know are dipping their cup into that saying, this is the purest well I've drank from in my life. So thank you for ministering to them day by day. And for those who are hearing this program, we have Peter's music available. I'd love to send one to you. So just let us know here at Compassion Radio that you're interested in learning more about Peter and Gracie Rosenberger and their standing with hope ministry and their fine music. Just let us know when you write us or contact us on the website today. Peter Rosenberger, thank you so much for spending this time. I know it's tough to get back into the mode and and keep putting out and speaking as passionately as you need to do for this kind of medium. But thank you for giving us the energy you have on top of your other responsibilities.
1: Well, Bram, it's a pleasure. And every time I talk about these things, I'm able to be strengthened myself through it and banging these ideas around and (laughs) looking at them again freshly. So thank you very much for the privilege and, and thank you for all that you do around the world on this program.
0: Thanks again for being on Compassion Radio today. I chose to broadcast this encore presentation of my interview with Peter Rosenberger for its timeless wisdom that we need to be reminded of. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California. 92877. That's box 77160, Corona, California 92877. We'll see you tomorrow.